Well, good morning, Bethel. It is so wonderful to get to be with you today. Uh, a special shout out to our brothers and sisters there in the Ag Hall in Glencoe. Good morning, Bethel Southwest. It was such a privilege to get to be with you all last week in person, in flesh and blood, and uh, so encouraged by the work that God is doing there. And it really is our heart to to be really walking with you guys as a church, much like just as a parents would have a child and you go through the phases of being a child from you know the, the infant who is very dependent upon mom and dad to that young child, the teenager who starts to get on their own two legs and, and really starts running on their own and ultimately to be an adult. That's the heart and the way we're wanting to help support you as a church plant to really get to that point of thriving. And uh, so ways like teaching today and being out there in person, and having our worship teams come out and uh, Pastor Nick is a part of our staff team here. All of these are just amazing ways we get to be on this journey together, helping you guys grow up as a thriving church. And to everybody watching from home through Bethel uh, Online and Rogers TV, good morning too. Today in our study in the book of Romans, we are brought to a vital next question to consider as transformed, being transformed people. The, the, the majority of chapter 12 has really focused on, in view of the amazing good news of Jesus Christ, that he came and extends mercy to us to save us. In view of all that incredible good news, we are to be, God's intent for you and for me is to be people who are transformed by the gospel. And that majority of the first chapter uh, chapter 12 was really looking at how that impacts the way we interact as the family of God. At the end of chapter 12, and now into fully our text today in chapter 13, the gaze changes from the internal family of God to the external, dealing with our society, our world, and the authorities of our society. Now, here's the question that God's word in Romans chapter 13 brings to us today. It is this, how are we to interact with the authorities of our society? How are we, you and I, individually and collectively as a church, how are we to interact with the authorities of our society? Those who are in government at every different level, from municipal to provincial to federal, those who are in authority over us in terms of making laws and administrating justice, the court system, police officers, judges, those who govern us in terms of our money, you think the CRA, etc. How are we, how are we to interact with these authorities? These have been <laughs> major questions in the last number of years, haven't they? And I, I could probably put my finger in on any number of a bunch of like hot button issues that would just get a whole bunch of us riled up. My, my point today, my focus today, my goal today is not to talk politics or personal preference. It's not to try and set a fire amongst a whole bunch of hot button issues. 
my calling as a pastor before the Lord for our church here today is to come to God's word and to say, to look at, to consider this question. As followers of Jesus, as a church trying to live for Jesus, how are we, as we're being transformed by the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, how are we to interact with the authorities that God has put in place? And here's the answer. It is plain and simple and straightforward. And once again, I will warn you, it is a dramatically, radically different response than what we hear all around us. Here's the answer from God's Word today. We all must submit to our authorities. This is the message of God's Word that we are going to study today. Followers of Jesus who are being transformed by the gospel must all submit to our authorities. And within our text here, we are going to see four reasons for this. Four reasons for why you and I, as followers of Jesus, that I want to lead us through to understand why we all must submit to our authorities. Here's the first reason. Here's the first reason. The judgment of God compels us to submit. The judgment of God compels us to submit. Very, verse 1 is, is very clear right off the bat. It's very straightforward. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. Not some. Not most. Not many. All. We must come under the control of, under the authority of, under the direction of, we must submit to the governing authorities that are over us. Why? Well, look at how verse 1 continues. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Let the, the theology that we talk about and sing about and pray about sink in here. We say that God is our King, Jesus. King Jesus came. We say God is the ruler over all things. He is in control of all things. And what that means is that from the gigantic solar systems right down to the minutia of your life and every hair on your head, God is in Control. God is at work. God is ruling and reigning, including the authorities that are in our society and over our lives. This means the authorities that are in place are placed there by God. God is in it all. God is guiding it all. And God has appointed it all. Verse 4, it tells us, for the servants, the, the authorities, he is God's servant to do you good. That's a, such a fascinating word. That word servant that's right there, for he is God's servant, the authorities and governing authority are God's servant. That word servant is the word deacon that we would use to describe leadership roles of service within the church. So we have deacons within the church who are God's servants 
And those who are in governing authority are God's appointed deacons over society. So whether we are talking about our premiers or our prime ministers, our MPs or our MPPs, our mayors or our police officers, our judges, or whoever down the line, this is saying, whether they realize it or not, they are God's deacons, God's servants over us. Now, some who are joining us right now, you are actually in, you are one of those authorities. You are in one of those positions of authority, whether your job has you as a police officer or in a particular office or holding a particular position. For you, if, if you are hearing this today and you are one of those who are in an authority, here's what you need to know today, friends. You need to know you are there because God has placed you there. Now, I, I, I know you have your career plans that have been in place, and I know that you have your interview processes that you have walked through, and I know there are all the ideas in your head and all the criteria on your resume that land you there, but what you need to know is overarching all of that, guiding all of that to come together was the hand of Almighty God. God does not just call and place only the pastor in a particular job, as sometimes we might subconsciously sort of assume. No, no, no. Actually, God has placed you where you are in your position of authority. You are a servant of God there. That is so encouraging and sobering, isn't it? Now, maybe you say, well, what about those people who are clearly not Christians, who are clearly not living for Jesus, not following after Jesus. And I, I mean, it could be very easy for us to list out, you know, a whole bunch of things that are happening, even right now in our society, coming from the authorities within our society that are in direct contradiction to what we see in God's word and what Jesus stands for. Surely this can't mean that we are supposed to submit to them, can it? Surely this text isn't telling us that these people who are clearly not living for Jesus were supposed to listen to them. That's not what this is talking about. That sounds convincing at first, but we need to remember here. Just stop, slow down, pause, and remember here today, friends. Remember who it is that's written this letter to whom he wrote this letter, and when this letter was written. Okay, So this letter here that we are reading by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was written by a guy named Paul, who, whose life was transformed when he came to know Jesus. And then all of a sudden, this target was put upon his back. In another letter he wrote to a church in the city of Corinth, the Greek city of Corinth. Here's what he wrote. I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my own countrymen, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false brothers. When Paul became a follower of Jesus, he started going out boldly, proclaiming 
that Jesus is the God of the universe who we all must submit to and follow and find life and hope in. And it cost him big time. It cost him big time. He ended up getting beaten almost to the point of death numerous times. By whom? Well, it was by the authorities whom he declares there is no authority except God, which God has established. The ones who beat him and killed him were the ones whom he says, they are in authority, I know, but God has placed them there. This letter, when was it written? Well, it was written during the reign of this guy named Nero. Maybe you remember back to when we looked at the very first chapter of this book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, and I introduced you a little bit to this guy who was the ruling emperor in Rome. Nero was a nut job. Nero was crazy. He was a vile, wicked man. He is historically known to have slept with his mother, married his stepsister at 15, divorced her at 24, married several men. On at least two of those occasions, he garnered the, the dress of the bride in his wedding ceremony, and he was known to actually run these parties where he would use Christians in the night as the candles for his party, living people burned alive on post to light up his party. This is the ultimate authority over society when Paul is saying the authorities that exist have been established by God. Where is this letter written to? This letter is written to the Christians in Rome. Rome was the home base of this crazy wicked, vile emperor. Now, at first we think, oh, he can't possibly be telling us here, we all must submit to our authorities. He doesn't really know what the authorities today are doing. He doesn't really know the laws that are being enacted, the actions that are being taken. He must be talking about something different, and that would be a complete miss if we think that, friends, because here's the truth. We actually have no idea what kind of wicked, vile authority there could be. Compared to Nero, we are like on Sesame Street. And God tells, through the Apostle Paul, to a group of Christians who are living in the city, ruled by this one, as one who has been beaten to the point of death by the authorities, over and over and over again, we are to submit because God has placed these authorities in their spot. Consequently, verse 2 says, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. We must submit to our authorities that are over us, we must honor and respect and obey them because they are there to oversee our society and God has placed them there such that if we rebel against their authority, we will sit under their judgment, their, their, their punishment, their accountability that God has given them over us. Verse 6, this is also why you pay taxes for the authorities are God's servants who give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. 
If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. We don't, we don't get to be like, well, I don't really like the direction our country is going of these elected people that were elected by everybody else. So I'm not going to listen to them. We don't get to say that, friends. I, we don't get to say, I don't agree with what my authorities are doing. And so I'm going to resist holding back from submitting to them because it's not my personal cup of tea. We don't get to say, well, I don't really feel like the government is very fair right now. I mean, their taxes are way too high. I mean, it's just not fair. So I'm not going to pay the taxes because I don't really agree with this. We don't get to say, well, well, you gave out these CERB payments, but now, even though I didn't legitimately get it, you can't take this back. I'm going to be so upset. I'm going to grumble. I'm going to push back against all these things because it's not fair. I don't think you're fair, government. I'm not going to listen to you. We don't get to say that. God tells us here, the authorities that are over us are there by God's appointing. If we don't listen to them, they are placed there to hold us to account, to judge us, and even to punish us. So we all must submit. Here's the second reason we all must submit to our authorities. The conscience God has given us compels us to submit. The conscience God has given to us, that compels us to submit. Therefore, verse 5 says, it is necessary to submit to the authorities not only because of possible punishment, but also because of conscience. Paul here points to the conscience God has given to every single one of us. We know by the conviction of the Holy Spirit what is right and what is wrong. We know what, what is good and what is evil. What, what have the Word of God directed us towards and, and what has the world told us to do. And he is pointing us to our conscience here, based upon his earlier statement, for rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commend you. There is an incredible freedom that comes by walking in the light friends, there is this incredible principle that if we live right lives with honesty and integrity, there is just like loads of anxiety and worry and weight that is cast aside. It is so hard to live one way here and another way there and keep the act up. It is so hard to hide this part of my life and just contain it and not let it out and try to be two different people. It is so exhausting and wearying trying to just press down the top of a pot of boiling water that's just simmering up and trying to burst out. There is so much freedom in just coming into the light with all of your life, just walking in the light and, and being right and good and true. 
Rulers hold no terror for those who do what is right, it says. Do you want to be free from fear? Do you want the weight of that double life, that weight of getting caught, that weight of getting found out? And this is true whether we're talking judicial laws or whether we're talking hidden sins and struggles in our lives or whatever it may be. Do you want to be free from fear? Then do what is right, friends. Do what is right. Walk in the light. Come out. If there's nothing hidden, there's nothing to fear. Follow the conscience that God has given to you. Is there anywhere that the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart with as you gather together with the people of God, as you think about praying, as you come to church, as you hear God's Word opened? Is there anything that you are listening to or watching the rest of the time that it's like the, the God of the universe is like pricking your heart with? Is there anything you are spending your money on that it's like, I shouldn't be, but is there anything you are holding back from paying? Because it's like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to. They don't deserve it. Is there anyone you are hanging around? Is there any situations you are involved in where the Holy Spirit is pricking your heart? You shouldn't be here. This isn't right. Don't numb the voice of God prompting your heart. Don't suppress what the Holy Spirit is doing. Don't let calluses develop upon your soul. Some think that when they've got calluses on their souls, they've actually arrived in freedom. Just, just numb the conviction of God enough and I'll finally be free and I don't hear it anymore so now I can really do all that I want my way. That's not freedom, friend. When you get so many calluses over your heart and soul to the conviction of God placed in your heart, you are just like a frog who thinks they're having an amazing swim and doesn't even realize they're in a pot of boiling water leading to their death. It's not freedom. Freedom is found when your conscience is soft to the voice of God, when you are running into the light as quickly as you can, every time you are pricked by the Holy Spirit to say, Alan, you shouldn't be. Alan, don't go there. Alan, take this step. Follow this. That is where true freedom, the release of weight and fear and hope and true life is found. Let's look back at our text, verse 8. He gives us a third reason why we are to submit to our authorities. Verse 8, Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandments there may be. They're all summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Here's the third reason we see coming out of God's Word. The love of God compels us to submit. We saw last week, if you were with us, if you missed it, pop online, check out the website, you can see the sermons there. We saw last week that God is calling us to this incredible love, a re-understood Love, not lip service love like everybody just throws it around here, there, and everywhere in our world. No, a transformed 
genuine, sincere love rooted in the love of Jesus. We, we love because we have first been loved. We can express sincere, other-centered love because Jesus demonstrated and lavished others-centered love upon us. That's the gospel. Remember, the ultimate act of all of eternity was an act of surrender, other-centered love that was submission to God. The ultimate act of eternity, Jesus on the cross, is the ultimate display of a submissive heart. And it's the ultimate act of love. We love others with this other-focused love because we have been recipients of this other-focused love. And as we love others by not taking their life, not murdering, by not trying to sleep with their spouse, adultery, by not coveting what they've got or stealing what they've got or any of the other things. These are all things we want done for us and these are ways that we love others and these are the fulfillment of the whole point of God's law which leads us to Jesus. At this point here, though, it's also vital for us to face the question that maybe right from the very beginning when I said even what the big idea is, that's been scrolling around in the back of your head. We see here, verse 1, that we must all submit to our authorities, but, 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 you're thinking, what if the authority is not in agreement with what God's law, his word, his truth says? What do you do then? You say, we must submit to all authorities, but what if the authority is contradicting God? What do you do then? This is such, this is such an important question. It's such a significant and vital question. A couple of reflections, okay? First, remember again who wrote this letter, okay? Remember again who wrote this letter and the context we've got in front of us. This is written by the, the guy, Paul, who we've already seen, who was beaten to the point of death numerous times, who was writing to the Christians who are in Rome, who are potentially going to suffer under Nero, and who actually ended up, a couple years after he wrote this letter, in Rome, not the way he intended, he ended up in Rome under arrest and was actually executed in Rome. Now, why was Paul arrested those times? Why was he beaten those times? Why was he ultimately executed by the authorities because each time they were demanding he stop talking about Jesus and he would not submit to that request. The whole reason why he went through all those sufferings and ended up even being executed, the reason why the Christians in Rome were persecuted by Nero and ended up being killed was because they were demanded by their authorities, deny Jesus, you must listen to me. And they would not submit. So, is Paul just kind of like a walking contradiction here? <laughs> is he confused within himself? No, I don't think that's at all what's going on. I think if we were able to like, sit down with Paul right here and do an interview across the table, for example, I think the way Paul would describe this is think about it like a line, a spectrum. And on one end is 
these statements and rules that, that the authorities within our society give that we must follow. You need to do this, you need to follow this, you need to obey this. On the other end of the spectrum is these rules that God says, you must do this, follow this, and walk this way. Now, there are very definitively parts where those are separate, but then there are these parts where those two things start to overlap. And the question becomes, what do you do when those two things overlap and they sit in contradiction with one another? What do you do when the word of God contradicts the authorities of our world? At some point, we end up in the middle in certain situations where these overlap. How do we respond? In the book of Acts, there is this encounter. Maybe you know this story with Peter and John after they've been arrested. They get arrested for preaching about Jesus. And then it says this in Acts chapter 4, verse 18. Then the authorities, that's the they there, they called the men again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. We cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. There is a point at which we must say, if I deny this, I am disobeying God. There is a point at which we must say, if I do what you're telling me to do, I will be dishonoring God and I'm not going to listen to you, authorities. There is that point. That's why Paul ended up even getting killed. That's why Peter and John ended up in jail there and were arrested. That, that's why Jesus was killed on the cross. He would not submit to the authorities of his day. He said, no, I will only submit to my heavenly Father. So the question is then, if that's true, and sometimes that will happen, and it will happen even at a cost, even potentially at the cost of our own lives, if that's true, where is that line crossed? When do we go from submitting to our authorities to saying, no, I won't, I must submit to God? How do you know where that line is? Well, start with this book, okay? Start with this book. This narrows things down significantly. This is not about a personal preference thing. This isn't personal preference. This isn't a personal opinion or idea. I don't like that idea that the, the government is saying thing. This isn't a political party association thing. We start by saying, does God's word clearly speak on this? If the answer to that question is no, even if you believe with all of your might inside of you and every bone in your body, if God's word does not clearly say you do not do this, or if it is not in contradiction clearly with the word of God, then here's what you need to do. Whether this is pleasant or not, whether this is your preference or not, whether this seems fair or not, whether it's what you would decide yourself to do or not, we must submit to our authorities on earth. When 
God's word clearly speaks, we must obey and submit to the word of God. No matter the cost, no matter the pain, no matter the rejection, no matter the sacrifice, we must, if God's word clearly does speak, we must submit to the word of God. But what about those things that seem a little more gray? Right? What about those things that seem a little more in the middle where, where if we're really honest, legitimate, Jesus-loving, Bible-following, born-again followers of Jesus have like differences of opinions? What do you do with that? I'll give you two things I think you do. First, first, study God's Word yourself. First, study God's Word yourself. Don't just take someone else's word for it. Look at God's word yourself. Okay? Don't just say, well, it says that somebody told me it says in there somewhere. No, dig into it yourself. Do the work yourself to do the hard work of dive into God's word, to use our minds, to prayerfully, humbly come before God and ask the Holy Spirit to lead you into truth. Because it says, after all, in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. So if you're a follower of Jesus, the spirit of God is in you, then the spirit of God wants to lead you towards truth. Ask him to. Ask him, submit to him, humbly say, I want to let my agenda go. I want to release my ideas, my, help me to see what your word says. I love this example as well from Acts chapter 17. There's this group of followers from a town, a city called Berea. The Bereans were more noble of character than the Thessalonians. That's another neighboring town. Because the Bereans received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. The Bereans were like, okay, Paul, we hear this amazing message that you're coming and preaching. We're really curious about what you're saying, but I'm not just going to take your word for it, Paul. I'm not just going to blindly follow along with what you say. You know what we're going to do? We're going to open up the scriptures and we're going to examine them every single day to see if what I hear from your mouth is what God's word says. Are you doing that today, friends? Even this very day? Are, are you checking your ego at the door when it comes to these potential issues? Are you checking your agendas at the door? Are you checking your worldview that you come in from at the door? Are you checking your political stance at the door? Are you checking even the like news agency that you like to listen to or read the blogs on or whatever at the door? Are you even, frankly, are you checking the allegiances that you have to people who might even be Notable, significant pastors. Are, are you checking me? You should be. Is what he's saying what this is saying? Because I need to follow what the Word of God is saying. And so we start by looking at the Word of God ourselves. Whatever it says, I will follow. Whatever all the other noise of the world, no matter where it's coming from, says, that's not the voice I listen to. And then secondly, here's the thing you need to do after you read the word for yourself. In these gray areas where you're unsure, who do I listen to? What voice do I obey? Read the word of God yourself and then humbly follow the conviction of God upon your heart. You need to humbly live 
in obedience to what God convicts your heart towards. What, God, what you see in God's Word saying you need to humbly obey and follow. Humbly. This does not need to be an obnoxious, looking down on, belligerent, divisive thing with other people. Humbly means there might be some people who you know love Jesus, you love them as brothers and sisters in Jesus, but you might see this differently. Humbly says we don't need to divide over this, but humbly also follow what God convicts you of, friend. Because here's the thing. One day, you're going to stand before God and you're only going to be held accountable for you. I'm not going to be held accountable for you and you're not going to be held accountable for me. One day, we will each stand before God and we'll be held accountable and we will be held accountable to say, did you follow me as I, as best you could discern I was leading you? Did you do the hard work of getting into the Word of God? And then did you humbly follow, regardless of the noise of other people and regardless of the cost that might come with it, did you follow how I led you in in the Word? We must follow. So we must submit to our authorities because God has put our authorities over us in a place to judge us if there is wrong. We must submit to our authorities because God has given us a conscience within us that shows us to follow Him. We must submit to our authorities because God has called us to love. And then finally here, the hour of our salvation compels us to submit. Final section of our chapter. And do this, that is to submit, Understanding the present time, the hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissensions and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. God uses this analogy that we all know. We go through it every 24 hours of night and then day. In the night, everything is dark. In the night, we slumber and sleep. In the night, so often, out of sight, is when all kinds of sinful nature, desires, and actions come out. And here, God says to us, yeah, it's nighttime and dark right now, but every single night ends with the sun coming up in the morning. Every single night ends and daytime comes. Friends, our salvation is nearer than we first believed. Jesus is coming back. We might be in the darkness, but he is going to return. Our salvation is going to be accomplished. And if this was true back then for Paul, that we are nearer than we've ever been, then it's even more, 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 more true for us today. The morning is coming. It's coming soon. Jesus is coming. He is coming soon. When will that happen? We do not know. No one knows the day or the hour But we are called to be ready. Do not let yourself get caught at the point 
when Jesus comes back and you are rejecting and resisting the authorities that he has placed over you. Do not have yourself get caught at the moment where your hand is in the cookie jar right when Jesus shows back up. Do not let yourself get caught red-handed resisting and rejecting the direction that God has given to us to come under today, right here, right now. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. Get rid of the old nature. Get rid of the acts under the darkness. Get rid of the attitude that says, I will not submit. I will not listen to anyone. Hear me roar. That is from pride and sin and nothing but. Put on Jesus. Clothe yourself in Jesus. Get back on the altar. Surrender all. Submit to the Lord. That is the transformed life that God calls you and I and us together to. Oh God, would you give us the ears to hear and the faith to follow?